Welcome to this week's episode of the Jewish Diaspora Report. On this week's episode, I thought we would talk about the most current of current events in the situation in the Middle East. Everybody's been watching the TV with bated breath as we were promised by the terrorist group Hamas that they would be releasing hostages. The reason why we've been waiting with bated breath is we are taking the word and the promises of a terrorist organization to act like normal human beings, which is always a stretch. When we discussed the deal that was brokered through Qatar, which is not exactly the most friendly, westernized nation, they are very friendly with Hamas and give a nice warm welcome to the Hamas billionaire leaders who live in Qatar very far from their terrible situation that they've created in Gaza. The Qatari deal between Hamas, United States, and Israel is that Hamas will release 50 hostages, entirely women and children, and in return they would get four days of a ceasefire, in addition to taking away all unmanned aerial vehicles that were over Gaza, which is essentially the eyes and ears of Israeli intelligence. And Israel is handing over mostly women and what they would call children out of Israeli jails. These are prisoners that were held after being convicted or being sentenced for crimes against Jewish people and terrorist attacks. People who have stabbed, people who have attempted bombings, people who have smuggled explosives into Israel, the list goes on. Many people criticize the deal, although most people, at least on the Jewish side, will sit here and say, look, we need our people back. We will do anything for life. And as I said on our Instagram page at one point, we have an Achilles heel, Israel. We respect human life. We will do anything for human life. And that's why we are getting our people back, even at the cost of releasing prisoners who have attacked and killed Israelis. And yet we return them. The one thing that's really frustrating about this entire situation is if you watch the Western media, they keep acting as though these are equals. It's an equal thing. It is absolutely not equal. First of all, let's talk about the number. 50 versus 150. I recently posted on Instagram the idea that I guess as the market dictates the price, they have decided that one Jewish life, a toddler, someone who was kidnapped from their home who has done nothing wrong, is worth one-third the life of a Gazan prisoner who was stabbed or attempted to stab or killed somebody. That is the going rate for a Jewish life these days. Although, to be fair, I guess this is actually a step up from the last time this happened, when one of our soldiers, Gilad Shalit, was actually imprisoned by Hamas for five years. And in order to get him back, 1,000 people were let go. 1,000 people with blood on their hands were let go out of jails from Israel one of which is actually very important. Yahya Sinwar is a Palestinian liberation fighter, as he would call himself, who is the leader of many attempts at killing Jewish people. He was imprisoned and let go to get Gilad Shalit back. And today, he is literally the head of Hamas in Gaza. As we know, the Gazan leaders are far away from the conflict. They need someone who runs the war, and they found this person who was in jail for many years for the terrorist acts that he committed, and we let him go for one life. I have nightmares thinking about all the people who are going to be released under this deal to think about what they will do in five or ten years from now, now that they're free. They've become superstars among Hamas leaders. They're going to be moved to the top and make sure that they get the best life possible in order to continue to kill Israelis. Another issue we have with the media and the way that they're reporting on these hostage situations is that they talk about the children that are in the prisons of Israel. Yes, technically many of these people are children. 
because they're 12, 13, 14, or at least they were when they committed their crimes to go to jail. But because they are young doesn't mean that they didn't commit those crimes. Many of these people have been brought up in a system in Hamas and in Palestinian Authority schools that teach them that martyrdom is the key, that martyrdom is what they need to be doing. And they are taught that the Jewish life is worth less somehow than everybody else and that they need to die. This is why they grow up and end up wanting to commit crimes at 15, 16. Everywhere else in the world that uses child soldiers is frowned upon. It's disgusting. It's a horrible act. It's actually a war crime. But it's okay when you do it in UN schools, teaching them about martyrdom and how the Jewish people stole their land and how they need to go and attack and become a martyr. It is absolutely ridiculous, the double standard, that they are allowed to teach their kids as long as it's in a UN-funded school. So no wonder there are so many young people in Israeli jails. When you raise a kid from the age of one or two years old in a school to go and kill, by the time he's 14, he's ready to go. And they do it. So they're in jail at 14 because they've committed a stabbing attack or they've attempted to smuggle weapons into Israel. And yet we treat them like children, like the 10-month-old Israeli who was kidnapped out of their mother's arms. That's the same as a person who's 16 with a knife trying to kill somebody. It's absolutely unbelievable that the media sits here and tries to say that it's somewhat equal here. Like the Palestinian terrorists who are convicted are the same as a 10-month-old child who's done nothing. What drives me crazy is watching the news and talking about this whole deal situation and the giving over of hostages and things of that nature. The fact that the media likes to now act as if October 7th never happened. Somehow these people ended up in captivity with Hamas and Hamas is so loving and so nice to be agreeing to this uh, prisoner swap as if it's some sort of miracle that they're just being so generous which is absolutely crazy. We have long forgotten about October 7th and why these people are there, so much so that recently the Prime Minister of Ireland has come out and said something like, we are so happy for this lost child to be returned. Lost? She wasn't lost. She was kidnapped against her will and held for days in a tunnel. One of the rescued hostages lost over 10 pounds in 40 days. Because clearly they weren't feeding these hostages, which brings me to another very important point. As part of this deal, the International Red Cross, sort of the unofficial, official people who get involved in hostage situations in a variety of ways. One, hopefully to help broker deals, but they get to be this mutual arbiter, that, you know, uh, unbiased uh, person who makes sure that things go right and that uh, people are held to a high standard when they're in hostage situations. We like to think that these international groups actually do something. The fact of the matter is that the International Red Cross was banned and barred by Hamas from seeing any of those hostages at any point in those 40 days to be able to say that they were not being fed, that they were being mistreated, that this was inhumane. These are babies, many of them, or elderly. And yet International Red Cross wasn't allowed in, which, you know, that's on Hamas. I get it. But not one single post. Not one time did they go to the UN and demand to be put into these uh, caves and tunnels in order to go and check on people. This is their mission. This is like one of the only things they really do is check on hostages. And they were cool with the fact that Hamas said, no, we don't really want you in here. Any other country would say that there would be uh, things hitting the fan, if you know what I mean. But the International Red Cross loves the idea when the deal is brokered by other people 
that they're going to get their trucks and go into Gaza to go pick up the uh, hostages and bring them out in their nice trucks with their big signs and flags to show that they somehow did something. They did nothing. As I said on social media, they were a taxi cab service, essentially. And part of the new deal, the ceasefire deal, the temporary ceasefire that Israel made, mandated that Hamas allow the International Red Cross to go in and check on hostages. The remaining hostages deserve, after we've seen the current status of the people who were freed, the current people need to be checked on. And the International Red Cross has done nothing to actually do that. And Hamas is refusing to let them go in. All of these international agencies have failed miserably. The Red Cross, the UN, which is literally a joke, they have not said anything about Hamas Throughout this entire war, it's always been about Israel. Israel needs to cease fire. Israel needs to stop what they're doing. Israel needs to stop harming civilians. They've ignored everything about what Hamas is doing, that they're using hospitals as terror bases, that they use human shields. Blind eye. No, UN doesn't see it. Doesn't happen. The United Nations group that's within Gaza, rather than actually helping Gazan people during what they call the biggest humanitarian crisis in the world, what they did was they stored all of their food in their warehouses, and the only way that the people of Gaza actually got to eat that food was because they broke in and stole it. That's the only reason. What were they waiting for? Why was this food being held there? Is there going to be another humanitarian crisis that we've never seen before and that they have no food to eat? This is the time. Where does this money go? To go and fill storerooms for nothing? To give people jobs? The reality is the people who work for the United Nations in Gaza are people who support Hamas. Maybe that stuff in that warehouse was actually being saved for the Hamas fighters when they ran out of fuel and food and things like that. It is a complete and utter joke. None of these organizations care when it comes to Israel and Jewish lives. They should all be ashamed of themselves. One thing that just keeps coming up over and over and over again whenever people ask questions or we talk about this situation is why is this all Israel's problem? It's a great question and not really many people think about it. Why is Gaza Israel's problem? For those of you who listened to my last podcast and learned a little bit about the history of Gaza, one very key important point was that Gaza was actually under the Egyptian rule from 1948 to 1967. So these essentially were Egyptian people living under Egypt. In 1967, when Egypt lost yet another war that they started, they just decided they literally didn't want them back anymore. So they left them to die. And the only reason Israel is involved, because Israel unfortunately has a conscience and they can't just let these people die and let them fend for themselves. Egypt literally closed their doors and said, sorry, we don't want you. Get out. And Israel had to pick up the slack. And so Israel was dealing with terrorists and fighters and all these things that were going on in Gaza and are now paying the price. Israel has tried everything to make peace with these people in order to stop the fighting. But unfortunately, 80 plus percent of Gazan people support Hamas. And we've seen it. When these released prisoners come back and they're coming on buses, they are cheering. They've got fireworks. They are in so much pride for the Hamas fighters. They've got Hamas flags all around. They are so excited for the resistance, as they call it. The complete, utter joke calling it resistance. Why is it that somehow the world completely turns a blind eye to the fact that Egypt controlled this region? Egypt has control over these people, many of which were Egyptian. Many of these people who came to Gaza during the Muslim conquest and afterwards during the Ottoman Empire, 
they were Egyptian. And you know what the funny thing is? There's more research coming out now that shows you a list of last names. Many people know that last names obviously come from different places in the world. Many Jewish last names can be decoded to know where you're from or what your family did back in the day. The same thing for Arabic last names. So many of these Arabic last names can tell you exactly where they came from. And many of them came from Egypt. Why is the world not knocking on Egypt's door demanding they actually provide them with any kind of resources? It's Israel's fault. Whenever Israel decides to cut off the 5% of water that they supply Gaza, the world goes up in arms, despite the fact that Egypt doesn't do anything for them. And those were Egyptian citizens. Why is it Israel's fault? Why are they Israel's responsibility? I can't tell you how many times I've seen people say that there's been a, quote, occupation of Gaza and the West Bank since 1948. Let's do a little recap here. In 1948, who took over that region? It was Jordan and Egypt. Until 1967, they controlled the land. You want to talk about occupation? It was those two countries who actually occupied them and held them down and only left them for dead once it became too difficult and the terrorism became too bad that they said, you know what? We're out. See you later. Hey, Israel, we hate you. You take care of it. And that's literally what's been going on since 1967. And Israel is the only country that's actually worked towards trying to give them a better life. Not Egypt, not Jordan, not Qatar, not Iran. None of these countries have done anything for the poor Palestinians, as they would say, except for Israel. They want to use them as human shields for their own anti-Israel beliefs. The Palestinians are cannon fodder for these groups, and they don't even know it. That's the crazy thing. They are so brainwashed that how do you actually sit here and not see the Israeli Arabs and go, wow, I actually kind of like what they got. The Israeli Arabs have quite the life compared to what the people in Gaza are living right now. Yet they want Hamas and more terrorism, not more of Israel where they give them full rights. And the international community ignoring these facts and continuing this BS is what's the problem here. Blaming Israel while giving cover to all of the Arab nations who do nothing. In the end, really, we just need to make sure we get all of our Israeli people home. And anyone who is not Jewish and Israeli that lived in Israel or worked in Israel that was kidnapped, we need to work to get them home too. And we've been doing that. Unfortunately, it comes at a massive, massive cost. We are giving up terrorists who are going to go home and be celebrities and they will be part of the resistance once again. But at least we have our people back and we could fight another day. So as much as this agreement only shows how much we are willing to make a deal and maybe open ourselves up to future terrorism, unfortunately, in addition to more kidnappings, we need to do this for human life because Jews above all else respect human life. What I'm really glad to see is that Israel, despite the fact that they've lost all eyes and ears in Gaza, which only means that Hamas is, of course, regrouping and they're rearming themselves, Israel is saying it will not leave Gaza until Hamas is gone. There's no long-term ceasefire as much as the U.S. and other countries are saying, well, once you've already stopped fighting, you might as well just keep stopping. At some point, Israel is going to go back to fighting and Israel is going to get rid of this cancer, hopefully God willing, we will actually be able to win and eradicate Hamas and their ideology completely from the area. This way, God willing, we will never have to make these horrible deals ever again. Terrorists for babies. Murderers for grandmothers. Never again. This has been another episode of the Jewish Diaspora Report. Don't forget to check us out on social media at JDR.podcast. 
and check out some of our other episodes on your favorite podcast source. We'll see you next time.